pandemic. One of those words generates either complete indifference or heated debate, maybe even fear this morning. It's one of those words in the environment in which I work in the Royal Victoria Hospital is constantly before us. Preparations and adjustments to preparations are being made constantly with this one thing in mind, and that is the control of a possible pandemic, the control of infection, the control of the spread of this awful thing called swine flu. It's already there. It's in parts of the hospital. Sometimes we are already visiting places and meeting people and having contact with individuals, and the risks are already out there. And they are, in some ways, measurable in proportion to the response of staff and individuals who are in contact with patients who have it. The big word, then, is pandemic. And there is a big word, if you like, in this portion of Psalm 119. And we'll come to that in just a moment. But this psalm has been dubbed the giant of the psalms by some people, not because of its 176 verses, but because it illustrates the many-sided qualities of God's Word. It's an alphabet, if you like, of prayers and reflections on God's Word where each new Hebrew letter introduces an eight-verse soliloquy, if you like, on each subject. And the second letter is Beth. It introduces the question of cleansing and refers it specifically to young men. And probably because they represent the crisis of choice that all people face, either living righteously or living sinfully. It's addressed to young men not so that they can turn, others can turn off, so the older folks here this morning don't think you're getting away with something, because this is a passage which applies to all. In 1 Kings 8 and verse 46, the Scriptures state very clearly, there are none who do not sin. They emphasize the state of sin as absolute and universal. Sin in the Holy Scriptures is a word which is translated differently. It can mean missing the target. It can mean disobeying authority. It can mean failing to meet the standards. And the state of sin involves a person in condemnation or their inability to do what's right or wrath defilement, or even death. And so the question, how can a young man avoid such a thing or cleanse his way, is one which is absolutely fundamental. And the truth is today, for us, such a thing and such a concept is not easy on our ears. It's not mentioned very often. It's not spoken of in the world. How can I clean up my life? It's actually today a coping mechanism for most of us that we avoid such words 
and that rather than being negative, we put ourselves in the position where in some ways we are so soft and gentle on what others do and do wrongly, we find it hard to really react to them. It seems that when we have, when we use a word like this, however, we just have to listen to the news any day, and not just at 10 o'clock at night. It's all, all day, wall to wall, pictures of what is happening in this, this wonderful world of ours. People who are being affected. Nations who are there, where there is collapse, calamities taking place, children who are being hurt, and on and on the picture goes. And so the question, if you like, is a longing that we find in this verse 9. How? How can a young person, how can an individual keep their way pure? How can we do what's right? How can we be an influence for good in our society today? I'm going to give you four answers here. They are alliterated for you, and hopefully they will stick in your mind because God's Word is more important than my words. But one of the answers to this question, how can a young man cleanse his way, is given to us in verse 9 very clearly. And it says, heed the Word. Listen to the Word of God. What makes the young Christian man or woman different is very simple. They take God's Word seriously. They take God's Word as a starting point in their life. They make their beginnings at this point point where they say to themselves, you know, I understand what you're saying, and I understand the debate out there, but here's where I feel that we really ought to make our beginning, and it's in the Word of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? The answer is by living according to your word. In Old Testament times, God took pains by means of taboos and purification rituals and matters of food and hygiene to teach this lesson. And the lesson is there are things that make men and women unclean and dirty, offensive and unacceptable to him. Isn't that what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7? He said, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, and on and on Jesus goes with this list. And he said, all these come from within and make a man or a woman unclean. And so, Heeding God's Word has a decisive role in this way that it fences off an individual from, their, from sin. It's as though it puts a hedge around that sin. It makes it difficult for us to commit that sin. And that's of great help to us because when my mind listens to God's Word and its lofty standards lift my morals and ethics, my choices, my motivation, I find that I want to do something much better than I normally do. 
I recently heard a story about a lady who had a dog that was provided for, uh, by dogs for the blind. And this lady had to change her dog. Her dog had been with her for many years. They were great friends. It was heartbreaking for this lady. But the reason that she was separated from this loving, faithful companion was because she had developed sciatic pain, which meant that she walked now in a particular way and couldn't actually keep up with the dog's normal routine. Because, you see, the dog had been trained in a particular way, and it could not be retrained, I'm told. It had only one set of rules, one set of behavior, and only one. When we think of our children today, often ringing in my ears are words that I remember hearing when I was a young person, train up a child in the way that it should go. And when it is old, it will not depart from those paths. And this is a plea, if you like, from the pulpit this morning to say to you, train ourselves, train our children, take time with them, get into their minds and into their lives, and be, if you like, inventive and intuitive about how we reach their young lives for Jesus Christ. We have a short time to do this. And that's true whether in Sunday school or at home or in school. All of these places we can be a significant influence for our little ones. This young man would be blessed if he uh, heeded the word of God. Because it would be this that would keep his way pure. And that's what we want, isn't it, for our children? Heed the word, verse 9. Hide the word, verse 11. Very simple. The scriptures, if you like, are like buried treasure. And the believer is always influenced by it. Just a few weeks ago there, I was uh, on the beach at White Rocks, and for the first time this year, I saw a couple down with their I'm not sure the name of it uh, any longer, but it's like a Geiger counter. I've forgotten the name, but they, there they were going down the beach and going up the sides of the hill where people would have been resting during the day. And they had their spade with them and they would find something and dig it up. And this is the way that they put in their afternoon. So the, the meter on this particular instrument was influenced by what lay underneath. But the Word of God is, if you like, not to be a forgotten treasure, like on a desert island, with a superficial influence and attraction. It is a stored treasure, we are told. Because the Word of God is hidden deep in the heart, the psalmist says, we will not sin against God. We will recall, I'm sure, today very quickly how Jesus said the treasure and the heart will always be together. One will be influenced by the other deeply. And Jesus actually said so when he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
And what he meant was if you put God's word into your heart, not simply into the cerebral functions, not simply in your mind or the structure of your choices in life, but actually deep down into your soul, he says, your heart will be influenced by God's word. Campbell Morgan, Morgan, a a great preacher from a, a day gone by, says of these verses, he says, these verses tell us of the best book, which is the Bible, in the best place, which is the heart, for the best reasons that we might not sin against God. And so if you're struggling today with habitual sin, with wanderings of your heart, if you find yourself being drawn away, worshiping another idol rather than the one that you set out to follow some years ago, if that's what you find today, begin to treasure God's word again. Take the time. When uh, Bible study opportunities are offered in work or in school or wherever that might be, take the time. And allow God's word to saturate your mind. Allow his Holy Spirit to take hold of your heart. Get yourself a copy of the recent, most recent Bible notes. Sign up for them for the year. It's only a few pounds cheaper than a meal out and yet will stand you in great stead more than anything else you could do for the year. Furnish your children with them. Invite your friends and neighbors in. Open the word of God and allow him to speak to you. So heed the word, verse 9. Hide the word, verse 11. Verse 13, an older word that we might use, herald the word. And a herald was somebody who had a a well-defined role in the scriptures, in particular in the New Testament. They were... They were indwelt with the authority of the one who was sending them to bring a message from that person to someone of importance. And so here the psalmist tells us, he says, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Jim Packer, one of our great theologians and regent university and Canada says the deepest division between man and woman in this world may be put as follows. Some have an acute knowledge of their sin and its all-pervasive influence, and others are simply in the dark. But the division, my friends, is not only between the church and the world, but it's in the church as well. And we are taught by Jesus that this is actually the place where we need to be most on our guard because the place that the hypocrite is found as often within the religious establishment. We all know of the Pharisee's prayer when he stood up, pushed his chest out, and standing before others, uttered the prayer, I thank God that I'm not like other men such as this tax collector. How on earth could anybody do that? And yet he was one of the Pharisees of his day, a religious leader, someone who had an amazing uh, birthright, being a Jew taught in Holy Scriptures, being raised within sight of the temple, knowing the Word of God. 
And yet he completely missed the point. Here he was aware of sin, certainly, but it was other people's sins, and he says so. And all the time unaware of his own guilt and his own sin. As the psalmist here recounts, there's something different in the way that he handles God's word. He says, all of God's laws. He says, with my lips I recount all of those from, they come from your mouth. And he almost speaks of them here. He says, um, with my lips I recount them, all the laws that come from your mouth, and I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. And you see the way he was deeply affected by God's word and how in turn the way that he was affected changed the ways that he spoke to other people, not condemning, not lording it over them, not coming across as the master and Lord, but coming across as the humble servant of the living God. It's an important lesson for us to herald the word because we do need to speak to others of the importance of understanding God from God's point of view. And there's much God talk out there in the hospital. I've never seen so much interest in spirituality. But it's a homespun variety that provides few answers and brings little comfort when it comes to those difficult days when tragedy and trauma hits in the hospital. And the reason is because it's built upon faulty foundations. But there are always those who I notice and meet day by day as well. And as they face the difficult, the same difficult circumstances, there is a calm. There is a peace about them. There is almost, if you like, a willingness on their part that they could be chosen to do God's will in their lives. Chosen for this special path. The final thing I leave with you today is honor the word, verse 16. He said, I delight in your decrees, and I will not neglect your word. In other words, he says, the word of my Father in heaven is to be honored and respected. And the reason that is, is because his decrees are the valued judgments of an impeccable authority. Someone sends you a, a letter through the mail and they tell you something that you must do, or in fact, some of these awful emails that we get through nowadays and they tell us that we owe such and such money or that our gift is ready and we need to pay this and that. The authority somehow, right from we open the email, the authority is somewhat tainted, isn't it? We, we know that it's not true, so we don't really listen, and we press the delete button, don't we? God is not like that, my friends. There is nothing that is not holy about him. There is nothing that is not wise. 
There's nothing that is not good, nothing that isn't righteous. There's nothing that isn't loving and kind and just. There is nothing about this impeccable authority that would make me do anything else other than honor this word. And so he says, I will not neglect that word. Verse 15, I will meditate upon um, your precepts. I will consider your ways. I will delight in your decrees. But whatever, I will not neglect that word. And that's because of who it comes from. So the delight, if you like, in this word is not a scholar's pleasure. It's not the delight that comes from satisfying um, our interest when we read an academic tome. It's a humble disciple's joy that comes through obedience to their master's wishes. John Calvin says, young people were chosen here because they find themselves where two ways meet. And they're faced with the choices between the best sometimes, or the good and the best. And the way of purity is the best. God's word has this cleansing effect, my friends, today. This is the greatest resource of all for cleansing. We need to get into it before it gets into us. Let us pray. Our Father, we are truly blessed today as a congregation to have this open word on our laps. And when we compare our lot today with persecuted churches throughout the world, people who have had the scriptures stolen from them and burned. Father, we realize how privileged we are to have open access every day. Help us to improve on its use, to make good use of the time. But above all, allow us, we pray this morning, to take the words that are your words to find a resting place in our hearts. Change us, we pray. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen.